This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. I don't know if y'all remember back a few years ago, if you went to go take a picture of something, it was about two weeks before you could see what you took a picture of. Y'all remember those days? That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Then digital cameras came out, and I could take a picture, and I had about an inch on the back that I could check out what it was. And now we got phones. Man, you can't miss anything nowadays. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, my phone, my phone will shoot HD movies from my phone. It'll shoot an HD movie. Do you realize what it took just a few years ago to shoot an HD movie? I mean, we're talking high-end gear, and that's in my phone now. You know what that means, right? That means that on my phone right now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even exaggerating. There are about 6,000 pictures of my daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because kids do something crazy all the time, something cute all the time, and you just don't want to miss it, right? So you keep your phone out all the time because it's going to happen. There's going to be that moment when she just... She just does something like, I just want to get that on a picture because I want to save this for the rest of my life. I'm going to look at it. And the other day, listen, I know everybody's daughter's cute. I know everybody's kids are cute, but my, my daughter's amazing. I love her. She is remarkably cute. And she was just, some days, some days, you know, the cute factor just gets kind of pushed up a little bit. You know, it's normally hovering around an 8, but some days she just wants to take it to like a 9.5. And this was one of those days, and I thought, man, I just want to capture this moment. It's going to be awesome. I can show it to some folks, and I want you to see the picture that I took. Look at this picture. <laughs> That's the picture right there. And unfortunately for many of us, that's how we're living. Because life is all about perspective. You see, in this picture, what's supposed to be big is small. And what's supposed to be small is big. And sometimes we get that, that thing confused, don't we? The things in life that are supposed to be big in life, we, we look back and we're like, God... I don't even know where you were. It just seems like you're a tiny little trail. And I feel like I've wasted a ton of my life on some things that at this point in time don't even matter. You know, in this series, we've been going back through the life of David and looking at some pivotal moments, some times when God gives us some keys to change the game for us. And it's important for me to remind you of something I've told you the whole way through this series. I just want you to let this thing sink into you. It's that you can't win if you're playing the wrong game. And in life, God has told us in the book of Romans that we're going to be 
more than conquerors, but we can't be more than winners when we're playing the wrong game in life. Do you know what I mean today? And so, as we've went through this series, we've talked specifically about relationships and about changing the way that we've played the game. This is the last time that I'm going to talk to you about this. So today it's much more comprehensive, but I want to take you in 1 Samuel 24 to one of the, I mean, this is one of those stories that if it was just this, if it was just this moment, David stands as one of the most epic figures in all of the Bible because Samuel has shown up to his house. The prophet of God in Israel has shown up to his house and said, all right, you're going to be the next king. And so that is kind of weird because there's already a king. His name is Saul. And so David, the next day, we talked about this last week. He's not a king. The next day, he's still a shepherd. And so one day his father sends him on an errand. His father sends the anointed next king on an errand. And he goes to the front lines in a war. And here's Goliath talking trash about God. And he just wasn't going to take it. Y'all know how that went down. It didn't end so good for Goliath, right? And after that, this is the way it goes down after that. When they return... People know who David was. And all around Israel, the chant becomes, Saul has killed us thousands. David, tens of thousands. And Saul gets jealous and starts chasing David. And in this passage that we're going to look at, this chapter, David is hiding in a cave. He's got a few guys that are there with him. And the king has cornered them. But the king had one of them moments that all of us have. Y'all ever take a road trip with your kids? What happens about an hour and a half into it? They got to stop and use the bathroom, don't they? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And that's what happens with King Saul right in this chapter. Saul is on this trip, and he's got to use the bathroom, right? That's what's going on. So we're going to look at verse 5 through 7. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead. It's 1 Samuel 24, 5 through 7. While you're turning there, the first few verses, Saul goes into the cave to use the bathroom. All right, that's what happens. And David is hiding in the cave with his friends. Now, his friends tell him, this is your chance. God has given him to you. God has delivered this king that's chasing us, that wants to kill us. He is defenseless in this cave right now. God's given it to us. Let's take it. David sneaks up. This is kind of gross, but why is he using the bathroom? He sneaks up and cuts a piece of his robe off. 
We're going to pick up in verse 5 right after that it happened. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift a hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Then David went out of the cave, calling out to Saul, My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed low, prostrated himself with his face on the ground. David knows which relationship is big and which relationship is small. In this moment, it's a, this is a, a pivotal moment because David has been given the authority from God to be the next king. God has already chosen David. But God has a king that he's already installed. And David, at this moment, has the tension of saying, I can take over and try to make God's plan happen because I know what God's told me is going to happen or I can trust God. And in that moment, David chooses to trust God. This is the thing that if we can just get this and bury this in our, in our hearts, that this can change the way we play the game in life. I'm telling you, if we can get this thing right, it's this, that when we let the right relationships be big, our problems become small. When we let the right relationships become big, our problems become small. Is that my my brother-in-law is in here? Going to be my brother-in-law in two weeks. Stand up. Where are you at? You way in the back somewhere. I know it. There he is. Everybody, that's Nick. Nick just got back two weeks ago from Afghanistan. Everybody wave to him. That's awesome, isn't it? So we were hanging out yesterday, and I was talking to him. Now, he's, he's one of those guys that, go, that does this. I mean, that's his, like, career choice in life. And don't mess with him. That's all I'm going to say about that. Just I'm not going to tell you what he does. Just say, don't mess with him or Ashley, his soon-to-be wife. Don't mess with those folks. He will take care of somebody. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. So, so he's one of these career guys. He's been uh, deployed before. And he told me yesterday, he said, you know, at about like month five, I was like, is this ever going to be over? Because this is totally different now. He said, it's different because... Before, I didn't have anybody at home that was significant. 
But now the same experience has completely changed because there's a big relationship in my life. There's a new priority. Perspectives have changed. So I want to help you today. This is, if there's one thing that we kind of have to get right when it comes to relationships, it's that we got to win the battle of the big and the small. We got to learn how to put stuff that should be big and make it big in our life. And we got to learn how to take the stuff that needs to be tiny and make it small. So the first thing, this is in your notes. The first thing that we got to do to win that battle in our lives is that we've got to allow Jesus to be our number one. In this moment, in David, we see that it's not even God's promises to him that are number one. You see, sometimes we can take a good thing and make it number one. But God himself was number one to David. All right, he wasn't worshiping the God for the promises. He was worshiping the God of the promises. There's a big difference. Do you see what I'm saying? And so he was content with waiting for God to make what he had promised happen. And sometimes we can take a good thing and make it number one. And I'm just going to tell you something, and this is a tough reality to live in, but it's the honest truth. When you make something number one in your life that's not Jesus, it will break you. It will. And if you make something number one in your life, you will break it if it's other than Jesus. Let me just give you some practical illustrations of that. Husbands and wives. Now, some of you, y'all like me, husbands, you just love your wife. She's awesome. She's pretty. She's kind. But if she ever becomes number one, and you start serving her before you serve Jesus, you will break your relationship with her. That's the way it's going to work. You know, wives, some of you, you love your husbands. You love them. You care about them. You believe in them. You want them to be something, and you see God doing something amazing in their lives. And, but if you ever make them number one in your life, you will never be able to love them the way that God would have you to. You'll break your relationship. If you make something number one that shouldn't be number one, you will break it and it will break you. Parents, and this is the most common thing in our culture, kids are a phenomenal gift from Jesus. Every one of them. I don't care if you, like, no, mine's not, he's crazy. No, he's a gift. I just want you to know that. But if you make your children number one in your life, you will break them. 
you will break them. You'll leave them so dependent on you that when it comes time for them to be an adult, they won't be able to stand on their own. That tension is one of the most difficult things to navigate in life. Is to live honorably, but to always, always keep Jesus number one. That's the first thing that we got to do if we're going to win the battle of the big and small. Because if everything is going to get in right perspective in my life, God has always got to be the biggest thing there. That's the way it's got to be. The second thing that you've got in your notes is this. And this is tough. This is a tough one that we've got to honor the people that we're in relationship with. We've got to honor the people that we're in relationship with. Now, let me just tell you something about honor. Honor's a choice. It's not something that's earned. In this moment, with David and Saul, they're in a thing that Saul's done to earn the honor that David gives him. There's not one thing but he chooses to honor him anyway. Why? Because it's God's decision. And some of us live lives where we're like, I will give you honor when you earn it. And that is blatantly going to destroy every context of relationship that you live in. It's just going to happen. Husbands and wives, let me just say this. Honor each other. Don't honor each other because you do it all right. Because you ain't going to get it all right. I'm just going to tell you right now, you ain't going to get it right no time. Right? It just ain't happening. All right? Y'all been married for a little bit. You might know that by now. The first week that we did this, I told you every relationship is only sustained by grace, right? And I choose to honor you because it is the right thing to do. It's what God would call us to do. So we've got to honor the people in the relationships. The third thing is we have to resist a me first attitude. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know, y'all have dealt with these people before. I'm not going to assume that y'all are those people, right? These people, we can say that, right? Because that's, that's helpful. People who are, you know what? Man, I, what's in it for me? I'm, I'm good for that, but, but what, do, what do I get out of that? Yeah, I'm willing to go all in, but are you willing to go all in first? I just want to see you do that first because I'm not going to do that if you don't do that because I want to make sure that I get what I'm supposed to get. Let me just go back to this passage of Scripture and point something out. God has anointed the next king, and he's hiding for his life in a cave. 
Sometimes in life, we think we deserve something that we don't deserve. Sometimes in life, we posture in our hearts, God, why in the world haven't you done this? And most oftentimes we do that because we've seen God bless some other people and we think that God should be blessing us the way that he's blessed somebody else because after all, God should not come first. But if I've read scripture right, most of the time when I see people who chose to obey God, they met extreme resistance for choosing to obey God. It's not going to be, the me first thing kills every relationship that you're going to be a part of. It's going to kill a healthy dynamic, even if people allow you to be me first. Even if they allow you to be extremely self-centered, it's going to kill. Because think about this. The greatest example of love ever given to human history, ever given in human history, is Jesus himself. And Philippians tells us that he laid himself aside so that he could come to earth and take on the form of humanity and then be obedient to death, even death on a cross. Right? So if I'm going to kill me first, I'm really just following the example of Jesus. And the fourth thing is to alloc allocate your resources towards relationships. I want to read a passage of scripture. This comes when Jesus is teaching. It's out of Matthew uh, 25, beginning in verse 34. It's going to be on the screen. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since creation. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. In that passage of Scripture, Jesus takes every dynamic of resource and says, if we're going to live in right relationship with people, our relationships are going to reflect our resources. Right? So my money is going to show you that I love people. The way I spend my time is going to show you that I love people. The way my house is conducted is going to show you that I love people. And if you're going to have big relationships, ultimately, you're going to have to reallocate the way that we put our resources in life to structure and support them. Now, this thing is all about perspective. The reason this is so Im important for you and for me, I mean, this is so important because there will never be a greater source 
of conflict or joy in your life than relationships, period. There's never going to be anything that makes a day or breaks a day like some relationships. Do you all know what I mean by that? I mean, it's just going to be that way. Some of y'all are like, yeah, my wife, man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right? And so if we don't get the big things right first, if we don't get the big things right first, it's easy to get out of perspective. Throw that picture of Adelaide up again. That right there. That's where many of us are. Because, see, in our lives, we've let things crowd in. We've let some things get really big that need to be really small. And just to tell you this and be very vulnerable and honest, the thing that needs to be the biggest in your life is Jesus. We said that already. And for some of us, when we look at that picture, right, when we look at a picture like that in our lives, the things that's the biggest, the glaring object in the picture of our lives is not Jesus himself. And for you, just out of love for you, I want you to know something. You will never be able to win in your relationships. Never. If you don't get that first thing right. Just doesn't work. So I wanted to leave you with one last statement of what it takes to win in every area. All right? This is a broad statement. It's in your notes. What it takes to win, the first thing is it's a long sentence, is that we've got to play the right game. We've got to honor Jesus. We've got to love other people. And we've got to live in grace and truth. We've got to play the right game. Honor other people. Love, love love other people, honor Jesus, love other people, and live in grace and truth. So today, I have a question for you. It's a question that I just want you to take a moment and think about. In your life right now, in your life, when you look back and you think, man, if I look at the picture of my life, when I'm looking at that picture and that's me, what's really big? What's really big in your life right now? Is right now in, in your life is, is, is there's something that when you think about it, man, I've got something that's number one right now and it just doesn't need to be number one. Maybe... Maybe right now there's some things that are broken and, and you look back and you're like, God, man, that's just a big broken mess in that trail behind me. I, I need you to come back and, and put some things together. 
So today, the, the really the big question is, what game do you need to change to start winning? Are you playing the wrong game? Because if you are, you can't win. Let's pray. God, today I just want to thank you that you love us and that you care for us. Today, Lord, I I just want to um, ask that in this room right now, that as we've gathered, that for those of us that would say in our hearts that, yes, man, I've, I've been blowing it. I really have been. I, I know that when I look back, there's something that was good, but it has blown up way beyond perspective in my life. And it has just kind of come out. It's way bigger than it needs to be. God, we just want to look at you for a moment and thank you that you've given us a way to get out of a mess, that somehow you actually take the mess and do something good with the mess. So all around this room right now, I just want us to pause. Everybody with their eyes shut, just heads bowed let's just be reflective for a moment I just want to ask you to think about where you are with Jesus and just to ask you to kind of be honest don't make up stories about yourself don't try to rationalize it or put yourself in a category that you're not but but let's just be honest today And the real question to think about is, are you playing the wrong game in life right now? So I want to ask you, everybody's head bowed, nobody looking around. I just want to ask you a really important question. If you say today, I'm not playing the right game, man. I've been, I've been blowing it. I know Jesus is supposed to be big in my life, but he's the small right now. But I want to get it right, right now. I want to get it right. I want to ask God to forgive me and to change this whole thing. If that's you, I just want to ask you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you right now. Would you raise your hand? I see that. I see those hands. Amen. If you say, listen, I've just been blowing it. I haven't been getting it right. But I want to. If that's you, anybody else? I see that. Let me ask you one more question that goes along with this. How many of you today would say, hey, you know what? I got to go home and I got to make some changes because I know God's called me to win, but I've been making some changes or been making some decisions that just 
that just don't lead to it. So I need to go home today. I got to change some things in the way I've been living. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? I see those. I see those hands. So let me pray for you guys. God, for those of us in this room that realize that there's some things that just ain't right, Lord, through your grace and mercy, come in. Give us the strength. Clean house. We give you full-on permission to convict us, challenge us, mold us, shape us, send some people in our lives that are going to frustrate us, God, but they're going to push us in the right direction. For those that are in this room today, God, who have decided for the first time or, God, for a new time to follow you today, for those people, I just want to ask that right now that you would encourage them, that over the next few days that you would send some people to be around them that would love on them and care for them. I just want to thank you that you show up here, God, and you still do this because that is flipping amazing (laughs) that you, God, are a God that won't let us go. We thank you, God, that you love us like that. In the name of Jesus, amen. How about a hand clap for those people today that decided that they want to follow Jesus. Amen.